You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I am your host, as always, Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I'm also the founder of Whole9Sports.com, where you can find all of my written work. Today, just like last Thursday, we're going to take a look at some Florida Gators who have been in the NFL draft in recent years. We'll also take a look at 24-7 Sports' bold prediction for the 2020 Gators football team. And to end the show, we'll have the first half of my interview with former Florida long snapper and 2021 NFL Draft prospect, Brett Diogardi, which will be finished tomorrow. Before we get started, though, just a quick reminder to follow Locked On Gators wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. Now, if you missed last week's segment about past Gators in the draft, I took a look at both Tim Tebow and Trey Burton, so if you want to hear about them just go back to last thursday this week it's time to look at offensive weapon percy harvin and defensive back brian Poole. percy harvin as we all know was a five-star recruit out of high school he was the number two player nationally and he was the number one wide receiver in the country he ultimately committed to florida even though a lot of people expected him to go to florida state which thank god that didn't happen He was a starter as a freshman, and he was kind of a pioneer for this offensive weapon role that I bring up frequently, and that we're seeing more prevalently across all levels of football as someone who could be used interchangeably as a running back and receiver. During his college career, Percy Harvin totaled 327 touches from scrimmage, so receptions and carries, for 3,781 yards and 32 total touchdowns. Following his college career, he was a first-round pick, number 22 overall, in the 2009 NFL Draft to the Minnesota Vikings. In the NFL, he was used much more like a receiver as opposed to a running back or even a virtual pe- a versatile piece, but he did get carries still. He had 1,000 scrimmage yards just once in his career, and it was the third year of his career. Eventually, Percy would get traded to the Seahawks for a first- a 7th, and a future 3rd round pick. While he wouldn't be in Seattle long, he made huge plays and contributed to the Seahawks' blowout Super Bowl win against Denver, including a kick return touchdown. Following his tenure in Seattle, Percy would move on to the Jets and Bills over the course of the next three seasons before he would eventually retire from the NFL. Unfortunately, throughout his playing career, Percy would just be constantly hindered by injury and migraines, as we all know. Even now, Percy's still just 32 years old after leaving the NFL five years ago. He retired so young. And if you've seen recent interviews, he's very open where he 
played every game under the influence so that he could get through the pain that he was dealing with throughout his entire career. So it's truly incredible just what he was going through and the pure level that he was able to maintain throughout his career. Next up, Brian Poole. So last week I spoke about Trey Burton who went undrafted and now we'll talk about Brian Poole who also went undrafted after his time in college. Poole was a four-star recruit that was a number three safety in the nation at the time when he came to Florida over schools like Notre Dame, Alabama, Auburn, and many others. He was part of the first recruiting class under Will Muschamp, and during his last year at Florida, he was playing in the first year of the Jim McElwain era. So he completely went with Muschamp, through Muschamp, into the next head coach. Poole would thrive on being a versatile defensive back that he would play primarily in the slot, similarly to how Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was used. And Poole is a key piece of Florida defenses that were never worse than 20th scoring-wise during his time in Gainesville. Like I mentioned, following his senior year, he would go to the NFL draft where he would be an undrafted free agent and he would sign with the Atlanta Falcons which would reunite him with Dan Quinn, who helped recruit him at Florida, and was the head coach in Atlanta at the time. After his three-year undrafted free agent contract expired, Poole then went to sign out with the Jets for a one-year contract. He would then re-sign with the Jets for another one-year contract, and he is currently a free agent, although I don't expect that to remain the case. He got injured during week 9 of this past season, and he would finish the year on the injured reserve. So my assumption here, which we haven't really heard anything from or about Brian Poole recently, my assumption here is that Brian Poole is still recovering from injury, and once he's healthy and he can go through his physicals and go through any workouts or anything that he might have to do, that's when he will sign a contract. Probably a one-year deal on like another prove-it deal, but I am willing to say that Brian Poole's NFL career, not done yet. He's, you know, he, he's, he's getting fixed up right now. Speaking of getting fixed up, visit rockauto.com for all your car parts needs. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. I don't even have a car, but I wanted to get familiar with the website and I was absolutely shocked at how smooth the experience was. Whether it's brake pads, taillights, or you just want to get hydraulics. I know my stimmy just hit today, so who knows. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know exactly who sent you get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the locked on today podcast host peter bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts follow the locked on today podcast on the odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts i mentioned this before but 24-7's just blatant disrespect of Florida given their predictions earlier. So if you don't know, 
24-7 posted their quote-unquote bold predictions for each SEC football team for the upcoming season. If you haven't seen the post, the huge majority of the post is overwhelmingly positive for every team besides Florida. For Florida, the prediction was that the Gators would be 4-3 and and outside of the top 25 heading into the game against Georgia. I don't know if the Gators will replicate last year's success, primarily because of the sheer amount of roster turnover, but it's still 100% the expectation to 1. dominate lesser competition, and 2. compete against the other top teams in the nation. Of course, things will change between now and then, we've got so much time between then, and we have no idea what the depth chart will look like, or so many things can happen, but this is still going to be a very talented roster no matter what, and they will have a creative and explosive offense that can make the best out of a less than ideal situation, so I'm not worried about that. The defense last year was young and is improving and maturing now. So, big positive there. Taking a look at the schedule, Florida does have a rough stretch early on. But looking at it, I can genuinely only see one loss that I'm totally comfortable with. And I'm hard-pressed for two losses, let alone the three that 24-7 sports is so boldly and incorrectly predicting. The Gators start the season off with games against Florida Atlantic, South Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, and LSU. Looking at that list for the first seven games, again before the Georgia game, Alabama is the only team that I think we should be underdogs in. 24-7 had us losing to Kentucky specifically because their prediction for Kentucky was that they would beat Florida and LSU. Cool. And they also listed LSU as a 10-win team. So assuming that LSU loses to Kentucky as their prediction goes, that means that they are most likely going to beat Florida. Um, Not in the cards, if you're asking me. I think it's totally fair to work under the assumption that the three games that we are projected to lose by 24-7 sports, LSU, Bama, and of course, Kentucky, no matter how wrong they may be. But looking at that first seven stretch, I mean, (laughs) I I could be being overly optimistic or cocky, whatever you want to call it. I'm looking at a 6-1 record in front of me. LSU is still in the rebuilding phase. We saw this. They had arguably the greatest team of all time two years ago. This past year was a rough year, and I think they might have gotten even a little bit worse this offseason, losing someone like Arik Gilbert, and I know that Derek Stingley's status has kind of been thrown up in the air, and it's been thrown around a little bit, although he's expected to be back. But yeah, LSU's still in the rebuilding phase right now. Florida's more in the reloading phase. We've got a ton of high-caliber prospects coming up. And honestly, I think that we're going to exceed expectations that a lot of people have on us right now. So I'm expecting a 6-1 record early on with the loss likely coming to Alabama, which, again, 
I wouldn't be mad about it at all because they're probably going to be a top two team in the country, like always. So the post by 24-7 Sports predicting that the Gators go 4-3 and three to start the year is honestly nothing short of laughable and just grossly uninformed. I am, in fact, very much looking forward to watching the Florida Gators just prove them wrong on a weekly basis. In fact, I'm so confident, I genuinely wish that I could bet on the Gators being better than 4-3 and three after 7 games. I'm going to have to see if that's possible, if I can get something going there with Bet Online closer to the season, because if you don't know, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Bet Online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV, with real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds that you need. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. And it, it really is the best. I've been using it for years. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code Locked On. That's L O C K E D. O-N. From April 19th through the 26th, listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Brian Baldinger, and Michael Lombardi. Our local experts for every team will make trades and pick the next stars of their team. Follow the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast feed on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. All right, and now I'm being joined by former, now former, Florida Gators long snapper and current NFL draft prospect, Brett Diagardi. How you doing, Brett? Good, good. How are you doing? Appreciate you having me. And no complaints. Uh, looks like you got great weather behind you. Yeah. My, my background is also great weather here. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Uh, so how's just your pre-draft process going right now? It's been going well. I mean... You know, right when season ended, it was a weird adjustment, you know, not having football or that, that set schedule, you know, 24-7. So, you know, I took it upon myself to kind of build my own schedule. And right after it ended, you know, took a little bit of time off just to kind of, you know, reflect on a great season and a great career and stuff and my time here at UF. And then after that, um, really just started doing what I do, you know, in any normal offseason, and that's, you know, snap a lot. Uh, work out, work on a lot of position-specific drills and stuff, and really just try to get in great shape, you know, heading into pro day, which happened a couple weeks ago, and then, you know, taking the next steps with, you know, finding an agent, who then I I, did, I signed with ISA Sports, um, which I'm excited about, excited to, you know, get a good opportunity there, and uh, really just been you know, finishing or starting my master's in sport management uh, here at UF. And on top of that, just really locked in on football, working out, snapping, and pretty simple lifestyle here in Gainesville. Nothing too special, you know. And uh, how exactly did you get into long snapping? Because I feel like not a lot of kids are like, you know, I want to be a long snapper. Like yeah, Zach Diazzi, sure. that's who I want to be. Like, yeah, for sure. And not a lot of people know long snapper, especially, you know, people who don't 
know a ton about football, but I actually grew up playing quarterback um, for a while. And then in high school, I played tight end and linebacker. Those were my main positions. And um, I think it was my junior year of spring ball or, you know, training camp prior to the season, my uh, high school coach, Jacob Doss from Windermere Prep, where I played high school ball at, um, had us try out because our long snapper was a senior and left. So I went out there and kind of just did a couple of extra point field goal snaps and was able to throw a good spiral back there. And I was thinking to myself, like, you know, okay, like, I, well, I won the job, I guess, you know, that's cool and all. And, and then I started working on it more and learning more and more about it and realize how there's, you know, a lot of camps that you can go to and get ranked. And if you get ranked high and, and you're good at it, you know, you can go get a scholarship and play at, you know, a big time school, power five school. And I always had good size. So I, you know, and I was athletic. So I was like, you know what, why not make the most of the opportunity? And I started going to some camps between, you know, uh, Rubio long snapping camps uh, with Chris Rubio and then uh, Corn Blue snapping with uh brandon corn blue i went to camps there got ranked you know pretty high and really worked on it like my summer my junior year you know my dad and i were constantly driving to go to different camps uh whether it be one of those two guys uh camps i go to and just you know looking at some schools and stuff and really working on snapping a lot and you know it wasn't your ideal summer for like a kid in high school you know where everyone else is going hanging out with friends going and traveling but you know, I wouldn't have changed it because it was it was a lot of fun, a lot of quality time with my dad, who, you know, it's been my number one, you know, supporter with everything sports wise and driving me, you know, eight hours to like Atlanta from Orlando, Florida to go, you know, to a snapping camp or what, whatever it was. We were constantly in the backyard, you know, snapping into the net, doing certain things. And basically, I got really good at it and got ranked pretty high. And then the recruiting process came with it. And got a couple of opportunities on places to go and, you know, ended up going to Florida, staying, you know, persistent and working really hard and eventually earning a starting job and earning a scholarship and putting myself in the position I'm in now to, you know, have a chance to play at the next level, which, you know, shoot, if you would have told me that when I snapped one or two balls, you know, between my legs for an extra point, you know, junior year of high school and was like, dang, you know, it wasn't bad at, at it, I was actually pretty good. Yeah, I would have been shocked that I, you know, could make it this far with it. But it's just an example of, you know, making the most of every opportunity you get. And I also want to shout out my uh, coach, Russell, who was a long snapper um, in college, who was our wide receivers coach at the time that gave me a couple of tips that helped me, you know, have a good spiral and get that kind of base to know what I was doing. And then obviously between, you know, Rubio and, and Corn Blue, I learned a lot about form and how to fine-tune things to get to where I'm at now. And um, so this year, of course, Florida was just – their offense especially was absurd yeah. in every not way. Many punts, not many punts with the talent we had on offense, that's for sure. Yeah, but, I mean, hey, you got to see plenty of time and field goals extra Oh, points, yeah, so for sure. At, at least there was that. You know, you got to play more than most long snappers ever get to, really. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what was – I'll say if you've gotten any, mm -hmm. have you gotten weird questions during this pre-draft process? Because I know that we tend to hear some insane questions from um, NFL teams. Nothing too crazy. I mean, just a lot of stuff with snapping, like some interview stuff or, or 
uh, you know, if, if someone wants like a, a podcast like I'm doing now, or someone wanted to like write a story or talk to me about something, just kind of asking, you know, what's the, just like not knowing much about long snapping, wanting to know how I got into it or what's been, or what's something people don't know about a long snapper, just kind of stuff like that. Nothing, nothing too crazy, but I, I know what you mean where, you know, the pre-draft interview questions can be very, very uh, mind boggling or ask some pretty specific questions to kind of test you and see, see what you think, stuff like that, but nothing too bad. Nothing really just mostly about snapping and, you know, growing up and stuff like that. Did you ever get the, uh, if you could choose, would you be a dog or a cat question? No, no, I've I've never gotten that, but my answer would definitely be a, a dog. Just, just, I'm way more of a dog person than I am a cat person. That's for sure. I hear, uh, or from what I've heard, at least, uh, if you say cat, they don't like that. For real? I, I got you. <laughs> that's, that's whatever. They want, they want like a dog, I'm assuming, because like dogs are obedient, they'll do whatever. Yeah, and cats you. are kind of lone wolves. But I mean, if you're a lion, you're still a cat, yeah, technically. That is true. That is true. Um, so I know that we've kind of touched on long snapping, but it, what, how good would you say that you are at long snapping and like, can you do any tricks with it? Like, if I put something on a bottle, would you be able to hit it? I got from you. Distance? Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm I'm very confident in my ability. You know, I when I got my opportunity, I I proved it and and had a very solid season. You know, I got named second team All SEC, which was awesome to kind of get recognized by Phil Steele for that because you know, as a snapper, you don't really get recognized, but it's not like that's a bad thing. Like, you know, your main purpose is to go out there and do your job perfect, you know, every time. It's like being a specialist is like being a golfer where you need to have that same, you know, swing or you need to have that same form and stuff. And you basically go out there and you're supposed to be perfect. You know, you only really get recognized as a snapper if, you know, you mess up or, you know, in the great scenario, you know, you go downfield and make a play or force a fumble or something. But I would say I'm very confident in my ability. I think, you know, I'm as as good as, you know, anyone, you know, coming out from this year's class, and I'm excited to, you know, get the opportunity and, and prove that. But um, in terms of just my – what was the, the second part of the question after in terms of, you know, how confident I am at how good I am at it? And you, Oh, tricks, you said? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it's funny. You know, one thing that's fun about being a long snapper in the offseason is, like, Obviously, you train a lot and stuff, but, you know, there's a lot of times throughout practice where, you know, if, if the team needs to use the indoor while we're in there, if they need to use both fields for offense and defense, you know, the specialists are, are the first ones to get kind of booted off or go do this or that. And between that and practice time and then also just offseason training, you know, it's fun to do those trick shot videos and stuff like that. So I think I could make a pretty good trick shot video. I know nothing's beaten our kicker, Evan McPherson, when he – I don't know if you saw the video on TikTok where he kicked a, a field goal in the indoor all the way to the top and barely nipped a, uh, a top of a bottle cap to, to spin off of a bottle, which, I mean, the odds of being able to do that is pretty insane. And that kind of shows why having such a phenomenal kicker. But, I mean, I, there's some tricks I can do. And then, you know, versus Kentucky this year, I snapped one to Damian Pierce as the up back for a fake. And that's something I can, I can do where if, if needed to – you know, snap a directional punt for, you know, if the punter's going right and I need to lead them or if I need to snap it to an up back for a fake and stuff. There's plenty of different things I can do. And in terms, you can't do too much in terms of the rules, but, you know, my 
my trick shot or my uh, repertoire as a snapper, I think is, is detailed. I got, I got some tricks up my sleeve for sure. All right. Thank you for listening. Once again, I am Brandon Olson. You can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all of my written work at whole9sports.com. That's W-H-O-L-E-N-I-N-E sports.com. Check back tomorrow for part two of my interview with Brett Diogardi. And don't forget to follow Locked On Gators so that you never miss an episode. Also, be sure to check out Locked On Vikings, where Luke Braun covers the Minnesota Vikings Monday through Friday, one of the original teams to use the hybrid offensive weapon role that we love so much.